welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. I got my guy with me, Cameron Fields, as always. Cam, what's going on? Man, Kai, I'm just trying to get you to be a better person <laughs> and not have a whole bunch of Batman slander on your timeline on Twitter. Can you please do that? I can't. I, I, I refuse to, to like hop on this Batman ride. I'm just not. Batman is an overrated superhero. He got He's getting the work from a dude in red Fenty lipstick and wingtip dress shoes for 70 years. I'm not having it. It doesn't sit right with me. It just doesn't. For the good people online, you can contact Kai Carlin on Twitter and speak <laughs> your piece. I encourage you to do so. <laughs> Just, I just don't understand, like, why I everybody loves Batman. I just don't ever, I just don't understand it. It's like he's, if the IRS audited him, he loses he's all un, of his powers. He's untouchable. Untouchable. No. But, you know, we're here to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. We and are. And Orlando restart. Yeah, that, that is so. exactly what we're going to do. You know what, Cam, you have a very uh, good point there. Guys, to Cam's point, we have a lot to get into today, like possible players the Sixers could bring with them to Orlando. As everybody knows, the NBA expanded uh, rosters by 17 to be 217 to make sure everybody kind of has a replacement player just in case, a guy, in the case of a guy getting injured, in case of a guy getting, you know, testing positive for coronavirus and kind of going from there. Uh, Cam actually had a really good article. You can check, check that out over at SixersWire.com about Philadelphia possibly looking into Isaiah Thomas. Now, Isaiah Thomas was playing for the Washington Wizards this year. Uh, he's had a lot of success with the Boston Celtics. He's had um, some success in his earlier career with the Sacramento Kings. Unfortunately, injuries have really played a part in his downfall a little bit. But, Cam, as you noted, the Sixers really are awful when it comes to bench scoring. Uh, they yeah. don't really have that guy who can hop off the bench and really give them some type of scoring, especially if, if they do decide to move Shake Milton in the starting lineup. There goes your only shot creator off your bench. I mean, there's Alec right. Burks, too, but, like, you don't really know what Alec Burks is going to – Meanwhile, Isaiah Thomas – They was, didn't get a good chance to be able to him before because, yeah. you know, he was at the trade – treaded at the deadline. That, too. You, you don't really know what you really – how he's going to fit in with this team the way that, like – you know, Coach Brett Brown is trying to really look forward to, really trying to envision how Alec Burks is going to fit in there. So why not try to go out to a guy like Isaiah Thomas? They've had issues at backup point guard all season. Trey Burke and Howell Neto just really did not work out. And you can bring in a guy like Isaiah Thomas and really throw him in there and not only have him score, but also run the pick and roll as well. Right. I mean, just going off what you've talked about, too, with Al Horford, you know, needing to go to the bench, I think that bringing in Isaiah Thomas, putting him, you know, with Al Horford to lead that second unit would do wonders for Philly. You have, I mean, obviously yeah, Isaiah Thomas has um, some limits, a lot of limits defensively. But if you put him with, you know, people like Al Horford, Matisse Thibel, um, whether he's like, you know, if he's not starting, you put him with Matisse Thibel, Al Horford, people with some size, Mike Scott, you know, then you could potentially hide him and have him in situations where he doesn't have to, you know, be that, you know, defensive, even like serviceable on defense. So you bring in Isaiah Thomas because it's like, hey, we need some scoring. We're in the latter, the bottom half of the league 
for bench scoring. And we need to be able to produce at a better level off the bench, especially from our point guard position. Especially due to the point that I was trying to make earlier, like Al Horford going to the bench, then that kind of begs the question who starts in his place. And, you know, the most logical choice would be Shake Milton. Milton right. is leading the team in three-point shooting. He's a terrific catch-and-shoot uh, type of shooter. So there goes your one kind of main bench score in the starting lineup. And Al Horford can obviously score. It's not like we're not just sitting here saying Al isn't going to produce off the bench. What we're saying here is, and, and what like we're trying to make, uh, the point we're trying to make here is, Isaiah Thomas is a guy who, when he was with the Boston Celtics, a lot of people forget that like he was an MVP candidate like one year. I, I think oh, wait, hold 2017 on. he was. 2017 he was. Uh, Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, he was. Look it up. He was. He's got to like be like six. He was actually, I think he finished fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, think he finished, I think he finished fifth, if we're going to be honest. You got Point the Joe is, Kim Noah, Joe Kim Noah treatment. The Joe Kim Noah treatment. <laughs> is that what we're going to call it? <laughs> you know, when Joe Kim Noah had his really good year. Oh, yeah. And then he won defensive player of the year. Like, I remember that. But Isaiah Thomas, so, like, looking at his 2017 stats when he was with Boston, and I mean, like, unfortunately, that hip injury, like, pretty much killed yeah. anything that, like, he really could even do. But he averaged 29 points a game, six assists, and he was shooting 38% from deep. And, I mean, like, I think he was, like, leading the league in fourth quarter scoring, too, or, again, at least close to it. Like, his, his numbers were just insane. Unfortunately, the dude suffered a hip injury in the Eastern Conference Finals that year against Cleveland, and yeah, that, that's yeah, kinda, that did hamper him. It did, yeah, especially for a guy who's five foot nine. So yeah, that that's really unfortunate though. And then another another bench option though, like if we're gonna be honest, and I, I get it, Sixers fans, you're not on this whole Jamal Crawford train. I see you guys on Twitter, you know, throwing Jamal Crawford in the trash and. I get it. The dude's – I think he's – how old is he, Cam, do you think? Like 38, maybe he's 40? Like, I believe he's 38. Yeah, I believe he is 38. So, I get it. He's up there in age. But Jamal Crawford is a guy who can put the ball in the basket. Exactly. Like, that's something That's something a lot oh, he's, of people he's – for, He's 40. Okay, so I get it. Yeah, 40 years old. But we're not, but we're not asking Jamal Crawford yeah. to come in here to Philly and play, like, 30 minutes a game. <laughs> Like, if, if the Sixers could bring in a guy like Crawford and have him play, I don't know, Cam, what do you think, like 13 minutes, 15 minutes a night? And in those yeah. 13 to 15 minutes, he could definitely give the team, like, a spark of offense, like, every every time he comes in there. Like, Jamal Crawford can still play the game. I mean, yeah, when he was with the Suns, dude put in a 50 ball. So, I mean, you know, you got to think, this is one of the best six men of all time, along with Lou Williams. Um, you know, you could justifiably – named the six-man award after Jamal Crawford and, or after Lou Williams, you know, once their careers are over, just because of how much of a bucket they are off the bench. Um, I mean, you know, Jamal Crawford, he hasn't played in a while. Um, throwing them into the fire um, in this kind of environment in Orlando where it's going to be really competitive, only eight regular season games, and then the playoffs start um, if there's no play-in. And then the Sixers, they wouldn't, you know, they're not going to be privy. So they're not going to, like, you know, play in a play-in because they're not in that, um, you know, space. They're not going to be at that eight seed or anything like that. So, I mean, I, I could see them 
you know, wanting to have Jamal Crawford possibly, but the, the defense too, that that's an issue. Um, and it's like Alec Burks brings you the same sort of thing. What do you do with Alec Burks at that point? And I don't know. I, I, I just don't, I mean, Alec Burks is a similar sort of dude to the Jamal Crawford it offers, you know, the same sort of thing. And he's having a career year. He's having the best year of his career, um, you know, with the Golden State Warriors. And he would just need to get, you know, more chemistry with Philly. But I think that think that you kind of put your eggs in the basket of Alec Burks for the wing. And then I think the bigger need is getting that backup point guard with uh, Isaiah Thomas. Backup point guard is definitely their biggest need. So I'm not even going to argue that because I mean, yeah. like seriously, the, the Trey Burke and the Trey Burke thing obviously didn't work. Speaking of Trey Burke, he just signed with the Dallas Mavericks. Sixers released him at the trade deadline in order to bring in Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. And the backup point guard position is still an issue because they're trying to basically make Burks the backup point guard. They're trying yeah, to see, make I don't that's not gonna work. Right. He's not a point, he's not a point guard. Right but he can handle the ball. And that's kind of like is something that is on the mind of Brett Brown. The same thing with Shake Milton too. Like they were trying to turn Shake Milton into a backup point guard where Shake played point that's guard a little, at SMU. That's a little bit more manageable. Yeah, he yeah. played backup point guard at SMU. But Shake is a guy to where, I mean, like, like I said, his catch and shoot three-point numbers, were, I, think the, I think the number was like 42% on catch and shoot threes. Like you would, you would much yeah. rather have Shake Milton be right at the two, yeah, and catching and shooting rather than running an offense at that point. So right. I, don't see, I, I don't, I don't see why um, the Sixers like shouldn't at least give Isaiah Thomas a look just because of the backup point guard problem. Because you're not right. going to rely on Howell Neto either. Like, 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 right, like, yeah, like, like no, like you're not gonna rely on how old Neto to like come in during playoff. He's time. not gonna, yeah, he's not gonna be like the backup point guard is one of the most important positions in the whole league, especially yes. come playoff, especially come playoff time. Like, if your backup point guard can't do anything, I mean, like anything like worthy that will like be valuable, then you're probably not going to win because point guard in general is the most essential position because it's the it's the deepest position in terms of talent you know starting point guards but you know once you get down to it you need someone who's going to lead that offense maintain that offense when your star point guard um or you know your good point guard is all is on the bench yeah that, that's always been the biggest issue for philadelphia last couple of years is backup point guard i'm like you it's like when Ben Simmons goes to the bench, and it really is the same thing with Joel Embiid at the big man spot now. Um, like when Joel Embiid and Ben go or, or go or Ben go to the bench, they're kind of screwed. I mean, they're obviously they're in better position this year because of Horford with with, with Joel. Yeah. But when it comes to Ben, when he goes to the bench, it, it's it's like they like everything about their offense just does not flow. Everything about them on the defensive end does not flow. It doesn't connect, and that's what Ben Simmons brings. Which, by the way, Cam, am I crazy to say that Ben Simmons could be in an MVP conversation within the next three years? Oh, I thought you meant this. I thought you were going to say this year. I was like, no, 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 no. Three years, three years, three years, three years. Uh, I mean, I think it all depends on how good Philly is, because I think that plays so much of a role into 
who was the MVP. Now, obviously, yeah, the exception a few years ago was Russell Westbrook when the Thunder were a low-tier playoff team uh, when he won the MVP. But more times, not MVP is basically on the best team in the league or, like, one of the best teams in the league. And so I, I think that Ben Simmons does have a chance, but it depends, you know, on how good Philly is. And, you know, how good are they really going to be in three years? I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's something that's still up, up for debate just because how good are they really this year? They're not really that good this year. They're really so. not. I just – I feel like Ben Simmons, man, just – everybody wants to nitpick that jump shot. But, I mean, Cam, like, he's already like a top 15 player. And everybody just wants yeah. to keep looking at that jump shot. And they don't realize that, like, he does everything else at such an elite level. It's crazy to me how yeah. people like like don't actually like really appreciate like what Ben Simmons brings to the table. It's absolutely insane. Moving on, coming come playoff time, there are going to be a lot of guys on this Sixers team that are going to have to step up. One of them is going to be a Tobias bunch. Harris. One of them is going to be Tobias Harris. One of them is going to be Josh Richardson, and then another right. one is going to be Shake Milton. Yeah, And those are the three guys I'm really looking at come playoff time. People are going to be like, oh, what about Al Horford? But Al Horford has proven in the past that, you know, come playoff time, he right. will, he'll, he'll make an impact. Yeah. yeah, especially if, like, he has that bench role. Like, I'm not really too concerned about or Al Horford myself. Yeah, but I would agree those three guys you mentioned are the ones you have to look at. Right. So, like, Tobias, Josh – and probably, you know, Shake Milton shake, yeah. are going to be the three guys who are going to have to step up and give me something. And then off the bench, as long as you get something, like like let's say they don't sign Isaiah Thomas or Jamal Crawford, whoever, but Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burks have got to step up come playoff time as well just because the Sixers, they, yeah, they acquired gonna, them for that reason. Right. Yeah, they're going to be the main guys, yeah, like you said, if they don't get Isaiah Thomas or anyone because Alec Burks – Again, yeah, having the career year, um, scoring the ball. He seemed like a perfect fit in Golden State. And, and to be honest, it, it was kind of surprising that they just traded him um, because he could have been, you know, good for their for their bench core uh, going forward. Uh, same with Glenn Robinson III. But, you know, it, it, it just depends. I, I, I don't know if they can be – the way that Philly's offense is, I don't know if they can be as successful as they were in Golden State because Golden State has the best offense. Well, one of the best offenses in the league. They're just so fundamentally sound with their motion and with their off-ball stuff that, you know, if you don't succeed in Golden State's offense, then you're probably just garbage. <laughs> but, like, you know. It's uncalled for. That you want to make me be uncalled for? That's out of pocket. No, but no, but it's true. It's the truth. It is the truth. If you do not remotely succeed in Golden State's offense, you are probably just garbage. You're probably a good player. (laughs) Like, there's, if you can't fit in there somehow, then I don't know what to tell you. That's just rude. I don't know what to tell you. That's just rude. I'm, I'm just going to say it like it is. It's rude. <laughs> it's the truth. It is the truth. Whatever, but, man. Uh, you, you, you call me out of pocket. That's just rude right there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll give you that. The way Golden State plays offense, sure. You have to call me as garbage like that. <laughs> That's all right, crazy. You look at all of the players 
who have been slandered before they came to Golden State that are on Golden State now. Andrew Wiggins, right? Now everyone's like, oh, Andrew Wiggins is going to be the best fit. Which is crazy to me. Everybody was hating on Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins was never supposed to be the number one scorer anywhere. And Marquise Chris was never supposed to be a, a building block anywhere. And now look what he's doing right. as a role player. The Andrew Wiggins like praise, like all out of the blue, is crazy to me because I'm like, he's the same player he was in Minnesota. Like, exactly. what the fuck? Exactly. Like, what's up with you guys, man? I don't understand People it. Did not know how to evaluate Andrew Wiggins fairly. Exactly. Fairly. Exactly. Nothing has changed about him. Nothing. It's crazy to me. He is still, I don't know how you can slander a 20-point score, but okay. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you can either. Like, you know what? Like, honestly, like, I know I get on him a lot, but I also know that he's, like, a really great player. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame is Carmelo Anthony. Like, people want to slander Carmelo Anthony a lot, too. And it's like, Melo was a bucket every time you gave him the ball. 20-point score. Like, come on now. Yeah, like that's like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Come on. But going back to the original (laughs) subject, Tobias Harris, as I wrote earlier this week, it's really got to step up because on the subject of scoring, that is what he is in Philly to do. That is his most valuable skill is to be an efficient scorer. And in the playoffs last season, he was not an efficient scorer, particularly in the Toronto series. He was shooting below yeah. 40% from the field in the Toronto series. Yeah. Um, same with Joel Embiid. So Tobias Harris has to be better, has to be more consistent. Because as I said in the article, if he's not scoring, then you know he basically doesn't need to be on the floor because there's not really much else that he brings other than the scoring. That if yeah. he is scoring, then he elevates himself, and then he makes the Sixers better as well. Yeah, Tobias is here is averaging uh, 19 points and seven rebounds. And I think you you had a, a stat when I was going through your article. Okay, so when Tobias scores 25 or more points, Philadelphia is 12 and three. And again, Tobias Harris, he's not supposed but also, to be. But also, for context, though, most of those wins are against like middling teams, but three of them were against like the Lakers, the Jazz. Toronto so you know just for context there yeah at home <laughs> like like at home like now now not on the road for some reason they they have this roadblock they can't do it on the road because uh, yeah. all of those wins you're mentioning at home like it's it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy I don't I don't understand it uh anyway the point is Tobias is definitely going to have to at least shoot like 44 43 percent from the field like, like you're yeah. you're going you're going to have to do it in an efficient way, especially for this team that relies so much on Harris and probably Shake Milton too, right. to to really spread the floor for Ben and Joe to operate. Because God forbid those two aren't making their threes. I'm going to throw Josh Richardson in there too, Cam. If, if like if those three guys are not out sh- making their three pointers, Philadelphia's offense is going to not be- even like just making threes, just making shots in general. Just making shot, just score, just producing in general because they already have one of the least productive offenses in the whole league. Like their offense just is not good like that. I mean, it starts with Joel and B. If he's not going, then it, it doesn't matter anyway, regardless, because if he's not going, they don't have a chance, period. 
but no, they don't. You they know, don't. but the if way, he's going, they need they need those other guys to go too. The way I see it, though, Josh Richardson is a career thirty six point two percent three point shooter. Not great, but that's you know average. That's about league. That's about league average. Yeah. Yeah, average. This year with Philadelphia, though, he's shooting thirty two point seven percent from three. I mean, his, his attempts have gone down from 6.3 in Miami his last year with them to four and a half this year in Philadelphia. He's only making one and a half threes this year compared to 2.2 last year in Miami. I, I, I don't know really what to make or, or how to like really make Richardson more successful in this Sixers offense. Um, I, I have a theory in my head, like maybe like maybe the defense is so focused on like Richardson and like not being able to spread the floor for Ben and Joe that like maybe he has to be able to get off a lot of clean looks like, like that's something that like has kind of crossed my mind lately. That's something I might dive into at some point, but Richardson's going to have to be a a little bit better from deep for me for Philadelphia to even advance like, like deep into these playoffs. And and again, it kind of goes back to Tobias and shake too. Like those three to me are going to be the end. They're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. They're going to be, like the the X factors, if you will, because yeah, I mean, you know, you'll have if you have been doing like Ben. I I don't think Ben Simmons ever needs to be like this twenty point scorer, but I do think yeah. like he should. I do think he should shoot for his what he's been averaging currently, like like sixteen to eighteen around that range. And if he's getting like, say, like he can average close to a double double, eighteen and ten, then like that, hey, that's really good, you know. That mm-hmm. that is, I think that's kind of like a you know an area he should strive for, like sixteen and eight around there, and then you know maybe maybe you get a maybe he gets a three somewhere <laughs> in there. I I don't know, but like you Full know prediction he makes at least two threes during the playoffs. He might. You never know. You he, never know. That bold prediction. He makes at least two threes during the playoffs. Sixers wire is official you bold never prediction. Know. But what to make of Matisse Thibault, though? Because Thibault, to me, is, like, already one of the more elite, def- like, perimeter defenders in the NBA just because of his long wingspan, his, able- his ability to get in passing lanes and come up with steals. Very impressive for a kid as young as he is, and especially as a rookie. It's like, it's absolutely impressive. The thing is, though, offensively, he hasn't exactly quieted down any of his critics, per se. Now, he's shooting 35% from three this year, Cam. But yeah, from, I think, over his last, like, uh, I, I want to say 27 games or so, he was shooting, like, 26% from three. Oh. So, I mean, hey, you know, that's, like, that might be, like, a rookie wall kind of thing. And I, I'll, 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 liken it, I'll liken it to this. I'll make a little comparison here. Okay. Matisse Thibault, right, he's, he's not close to being number one, number two, number three, number four, or even number five option. He's just a role player, right? Right. Okay, so you got to compare it to when I run, like, Warzone with my friends who are, like, oh my really, God. really – they're, they're, like, really, really good. And, you know, I'm, like, you know, just, okay, I play my role. But when I'm by myself or something like that, I, I do better because there's more – there's more to go around. There are more kills to go around on Call of Duty Warzone when I'm not with my friends, you know? So, Listen, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. There's I'll a lot of that. guys like that. There's a lot of guys like that in the league where if they had, you know, more usage or whatever or more touches, they'll, they'd shine somewhere else. There's a bunch of guys like that. 
that's, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that. But I mean, I just I looked it up, and yeah, over the last twenty-seven games, he shot twenty-five point three percent from deep. So, I mean, okay, so he's shooting. Look, I'm just looking at his stuff right now. He's shooting four point one field goals a game. He is. That is not a whole lot. That's not that's not scary. a lot. Like 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 I'm not sitting here and saying like, oh, he's never going to be great offensively. It's kind of like because you kind of like I look at the numbers and be like. It's a small sample size. You know, he's not getting enough shots. Sometimes you got to get a couple shots up, get into that rhythm. I understand it. But they're kind of 25.3% from deep over the final 27 games of the, of the season before, um, you know, the coronavirus kind of hit and shut everything down. And he was shooting three threes a game. Like, that's got to be in the back of Coach Brett Brown's mind and be like, hmm, I mean, can I leave Matisse out there for as long as I want to? Or do I have to yeah. kind of sub in shake? or whoever and, and and that and that's why like everybody kind of debates who should the Sixers start in place of Al should it be Shake should it be Matisse and like for me it, it kind of just becomes a no-brainer I mean especially with the way Shake was playing before the league suspension especially on that West Coast road trip like when he was filling yeah. in for Ben Simmons Shake was I mean I want to say Shake was phenomenal <laughs> and he just and it was really because nobody yeah. saw it coming okay it was like it was like real surprising really i mean we he shot seven for nine from deep against the clippers uh to start off that road trip solid player he was very good against the lakers he was very good against sacramento he was even pretty good against golden state and then they come home to play detroit in their final game before the suspension and he played well that night too and it really blew a lot of people out of the water because we were like shake milton like what the hell is shake milton doing in the starting (laughs) lineup right now Uh, so (laughs) And, and that's why I say, like, yo, I mean, he was very, very terrific. Um, over his – over Shake's final eight games, he averaged 15 points – or, excuse me, 17.9 points, and he shot 58.5% from three-point range. Oh, wow. Over, over, the yeah. final, over the final eight games heading into the, uh, the league suspension. So, again, that kind of goes back to the original question, man. I mean, if Shake goes into the starting lineup – then you really have got to figure out what you're going to do for bench scoring. And that's where you got to look at Glenn. You got to look at Alec. You got to look at Matisse. And then if they do decide to like sign somebody to fill that role, you got to look at that guy too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Cause I mean, shake is going to be shake is their number one kind of guy off the bench. And when it comes to scoring right now. Um, And if Alec Burks, I mean, I think that if Alec Burks really, you know, gets into the fit, like gets, chemistry with the team then I think that's great because you know having that wing scoring is is just so valuable in in the league um all of the good scorers are wings or guards you know most of them so having that come off the bench um and then too if you know play play defense as well then that that would just be very valuable for Philly yeah, there's there's a lot going into this playoff run for Philadelphia. And and that's why I'm so excited for this 2020 playoff run for, for the Sixers, because this is going to make or break a lot of things for them. Yeah, Brett Brown, Brett Brown's gone if they lose round one or even round two. If they don't at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals and go deep, he's gone. And then that's going to be very interesting because these guys are going to be playing for Brett Brown's job when the season restarts down in Orlando, which we're about – little roughly a month from away preseason games and I put that in quotation preseason games are going to start July 22nd through the 29th before the season gets underway again 
And I think that's going to be very interesting to see how they really perform this year, Cam, because yeah. Brett, Brown's jo- Brett Brown's on that chopping block, man. And, and if they don't go deep into the playoffs, and this is going to be a, lot, a great sign for Sixers fans who have been calling for Brett Brown to be fired for a minute, they're going to be excited to see that. But Brett Brown's going to be gone if they don't go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to, like, you know, hear about all that just because, you know, Brett Brown, he's a solid coach. Uh, he's gotten them this far. He's been a very patient guy throughout the whole process because he was with them, you know, when they were really bad. Right. Um, so he's been there throughout the whole thing. Um, I, I think that, you know, the Sixers are going to be – it's going to be a, a lot of I – mean, just like the playoffs always are, it's going to be a lot of matchup base kind of stuff like it's going to depend on who they're playing so if they're playing the Celtics I mean yeah they can they can match up with anyone pretty much defensively but are they going to be able to contend with the offensive firepower that the Celtics have on the wing and I, I just don't think they're going to be able to do that at this current moment I mean maybe um they they just like summon some sort of thing within them I, I don't know but um <laughs> it's until like they just they just bring it out be like oh we're just balling out now I, I mean just <laughs> Shock everybody. Um, but Tobias, like I said, Tobias is going to really have to just just ball, man, because he's always been to me a fringe all-star. And when you're in the playoffs, you cannot be like this this fringe all-star either. You, I mean, you, you got to really show your stuff in the playoffs. You can't just like kind of be tiptoeing around or anything like that. Um, you got to come ready to play. You got to like take your game to another level and, and the same with Joel Embiid like I mean you know he's still putting up okay numbers but they're not they're not good compared to what he puts up in the regular season right um, I feel so like Joe I feel like Joel and Ben Joel and Ben like need a deep playoff run they kind of get the critics the critics off their back a little bit they need a deep playoff run and try to gain yeah. some um really some confidence, not only within the fan base, but from the front office as well to like maybe really consider that like, Hey, maybe we can build around Ben and Joe and maybe we can keep this thing moving forward. So yeah, Ben and Joe, well, they, they definitely need this whole franchise needs a deep playoff front. I mean, they haven't made the Eastern conference finals, man, since the Iverson days in 2001. So it's been 19 yeah. years now they're due. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Now we're gonna end this podcast off cam with with a little prediction game, okay? Oh, okay. I thought it was gonna be more Batman stuff. I was like, oh no. Oh no 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 more Batman stuff on this podcast. Oh, no more. <laughs> but I'm gonna go to uh, Twitter. I'm gonna go to Twitter today. I'm just gonna go down all the superheroes that I know are better than Batman. But that's for Twitter. That that is for Twitter and for fun on Twitter. So who's going to make more three pointers uh th- this postseason? Uh, Furkan Korkmaz or Shake Milton? Who do you think? I'm gonna that that's something we forgot to mention, kind of in the whole thing. Furkan, I think, is their best like sharp shooter. So I'm gonna go with Furkan. I'm gonna go with Furkan as well, just because, as you mentioned, Cam, he's kind of been their like their most consistent shooter up and down the lineup. And then also, Furkan plays well in empty gyms, man. I mean, Fur- Furkan was out here hooping in empty gyms, dude. I mean, I know you saw that summer league game in Las Vegas. Like, Furkan's out here hooping in empty gyms. I'm just saying. Look, everyone is going to be playing pretty well in the empty. It don't matter. Empty gym, uh, full gym, whatever. 
Nah, Cam, we're getting something different right. here. Empty gym furcon. I'm just saying. There's home. There's home game furcon, and then there's empty gym furcon. The same. Furcon's gonna. Probably, he's probably gonna ball oh, out this year. It come playoff time, and then <laughs> who's gonna get more triple doubles in this playoff run? Ben Simmons or uh, Russell Westbrook? Huh. That's an interesting question. Now, see, if Russell Westbrook was still on the Thunder and leading the show, I would say him. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's with James now, and he doesn't get the ball as much as he used to. So I'm going to have to go with Ben Simmons. That's yeah. fair. I'm also going to go with Simmons as well, just because of the same point that, uh, that you, you just brought up. And then finally, who would you rather build your franchise around? Real quick before we end this off. Paul Pierce – or Vince Carter, who just retired today? Ah, insanity. Uh, let's see. Uh, see, Pierce, to me, gets, like, so gassed up, it's ridiculous. And I'm just like, can we just, <laughs> like, like, as a society, can we just not, you know, overrate Pierce for what he was? Because, look, Pierce, Pierce was great. Pierce is a Hall of Famer. I'm not trying to discredit Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a champion. He's one of the best scorers of his era. But Paul Pierce is basically like slightly better Tobias Harris. You might as well be. Like Paul Pierce, okay, like not slightly better, not slightly better, but he's just, he's just a better version of Tobias Harris. That's it. That's it. On a, on a, and then Vince Carter – you could say the same thing about Vince Carter, but also Vince Carter never really had the team. Other than, I mean, New Jersey, I don't think New Jersey was, was you know, a, a pretty good team, but they, did anyone really think they were going to do anything? No. I did in 2007. Like, because I thought that, um, I mean, I really thought that, like, uh, because, you know, you had Kid Carter Jefferson, right? And then they had, yeah. Nen- and then they had Nenad Kristich at center, and that's when Kristich was like, he had like a lot of potential to like really become like a like a borderline all star kind of at big man, and I thought Kristich, yeah. I thought Kristich was going to make a huge difference for them and allow them to like kind of at least compete with Miami, allow at least compete with uh, Cleveland and Detroit, you know, during that era. Yeah. And, it never happened. It never happened at I all. I need okay. Let me riddle me this: If Paul Pierce never plays with Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, and you know Ray Allen, yeah. does he ever win a championship? Does he oh, ever win a championship man. if Paul Pierce is never on a super team? Like I don't probably think probably not. So. Probably I not. Like, and okay, I know no one wins on their own. Like that is true. That is true. But say Paul Pierce played with just one of them. Does he win a championship? Okay, let's. No, I, think, I don't I, think so. I think if he plays with Garnett, they do. Garnett, he Garnett would be the best chance. But say it was like Ray Allen. Oh, I no. don't. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think so. But like you know, I kind of looked this up the other day. Garnett's on and off numbers during the 08 Finals. I mean, was extraordinary. I feel like you could have made the case that Garnett probably could have won Finals MVP in 08 over Pierce. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, growing up, when I was watching the 08 Celtics, I always thought Kevin Garnett was the best player. Like, they're still the most I, overrated title team to me. Like, no, not to, I don't think they're overrated. They're, I mean, yeah, they, they really milked their championship. But, like, I think they were the best. Like, they were the best. 
I mean, they were a very good team. Um, and they won that title that year. They went in all year, all in that year. But I think Kevin Garnett was the best player on that team. Like that was, that was peak Kevin Garnett to me. You could definitely make that. You could definitely make that case that Garnett should have won Finals MVP in a way. I mean, Garnett was absolutely incredible at his peak. It was crazy. Now, yeah, like Garnett, they they wouldn't have won if Pierce wasn't on that team. Like, I'm not trying yeah, to take anything for sure. away. From I'm not Pierce. saying that either. Yeah. But like in terms of building around, I would have to say, I'd have to say, I mean, neither if I had the choice. But like. The choice. <laughs> I mean, I because can you really build around those two players? I don't think you can. I feel like you can build around Pierce, and I don't know about Carter. I mean, Carter. I feel like Carter missed his chance in two thousand one with Toronto. Like people are people want to um talk about Philadelphia and everything and that run they went on. I feel like Toronto was better than Philly they're, in one, but like Allen Iverson, they're number two options. They're not number two, but they're they're like Kyrie. They're like Kyrie one A type options. Okay, I'll agree with that, especially with, especially with uh with Pierce. Like like I feel like yeah, Pierce could be like a, like a Kyrie of his era. Yeah, I'll give you that. like they're they're one A kind of guys to me. Yeah, because Pierce to me though was was like like whenever you needed that clutch bucket, yeah, yeah, see, just like Kyrie, <laughs> just like Kyrie. No, like Pierce, yeah, Pierce could hoop. Like, yeah, Pierce was a, like, he could ball. But again, let's not try and act like this dude, you know, was a, was a elite number one option. I mean, yeah, he was on some bad teams for most of his career. So he had to get buckets. Like, I mean, somebody has got to put the ball in the hoop. So yeah. What about the early 2000 Celtics though? When him and Antoine Walker helped Boston get to the, I think it was the conference finals before they lost to New Jersey. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, Pierce, I, I Pierce just was the number one guy on that team. Again, yeah, I, I don't think that he would have won as the top guy on the team. I just don't see it. If I had a choice, man, I'm taking Pierce over Carter. I feel like I'd have to give the slight edge to Pierce too, because I feel like he'd be easier. To like be like, okay, we're gonna give you this guy and you'll be okay. Like, and you saw that with the championship. Exactly. We can rock yeah. with that. We can agree with that. All right, on that note, guys, we're gonna end it off right there. Don't ever forget that Batman is overrated and a terrible superhero. And we're gonna end it with that. So for Cameron Fields, I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on the Bell Ringer.